I'm not going to tell you how long I'm going to go. That way I won't get in trouble. <laughs> um, but I'm just, I'm just going to hit some of the, the key points here. I think the Lord will, will fill in the blanks. I would just say, take notes if you can. Go back. Just kind of reread some of these scriptures. Let this, let this really uh, get into your heart. Last week we talked about this place of, of abiding in him and in the, in the, the meditation on the word. And the, this scripture, I, I can't get it out of my head. <laughs> it's in Psalm 19, 14, it says, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. And then it says this right after. It says, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And, uh, and I love that, that it's like, it is this place. I felt like it's kind of like a Psalm 91 um, where, actually I'll just read that um, that first part of Psalm 91, which I know, but just, um, it says, he who dwells in the shelter, which that word dwell is to abide or to remain in the shelter of the Most High, will rest in the shadow or in the protection of the Almighty. And so even in that where it says, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer, it's that shadow of the Almighty uh, when, we, when our words and the meditation of our heart are pleasing to him, he actually establishes us in the place of, of his protection in the shadow of the Almighty. Uh, it's a beautiful place to be. And um, so our words, by the way, are so important. And, and I believe even as we speak, as our words are released, I want to go back to that kind of that understanding of our heart is like a it's like the garden um, and when we speak when our words what we as jesus said i only speak what i hear the father say that he's actually declaring things which are seeds that are of him that are being placed in our heart and then the meditation of our heart is actually it's the cultivating of what is in our heart to actually produce the fruit uh, that God desires to produce in and through us. And so today, I, I felt like this is kind of a part two to, to what I shared yesterday. Um, today, I, I want to focus in on the fruit. Um, before I do, I just there were some things I, I just want to share. Uh, I just want to use this analogy. It was something that I was going to share last week and I didn't get to share it, but... Uh, a lot of times we think, well, my, you know, I want to set my eyes on Jesus, but, but there are moments where I take my eyes off of Jesus. And, and I was seeing this, um, like the concern is, it's kind of, I'm going to use this analogy. You're driving down the highway, you're going 65 miles an hour, and, and here's the thing. I don't know if you've ever closed your eyes while you're driving 65 miles an hour. I would highly not recommend it. <laughs> don't, don't leave here and go, let me, let me just see if this works. <laughs> um, in a matter of five seconds, at traveling 65 miles an hour, you will travel 500 feet, uh, which is equivalent to one and a half football fields. 
a little more than one and a half football fields in five seconds. And I was just seeing this, like, a lot of times as we're going, Lord, I'm pressing into you, I'm seeing you, but, but we just take our eyes off for a minute. And, and it's amazing what can happen in just a minute. Like, all of a sudden, we're like, what just happened? I was following Jesus, I was worshiping him, I was, and then 10 minutes later, like, the world's blowing up around me. And, and I, I believe it's a lot of times is it's just those moments where we take our eyes off of them and we're like, well, how, how did that happen so quickly? How did we get off track? And that's where I'm like, yeah, just close your eyes for five seconds on the highway and see how far off track you are. Um, <laughs> you're either going to hit someone, end up in a ditch, or, uh, but I guarantee you're not going to end up going straight. And don't test me on this. <laughs> I don't want to hear about anybody in the hospital. Um, I, I want to encourage you that in this season, that it's like that we make it a goal that man, we are pressing into the Lord moment by moment. We're not going to allow our eyes to get off of him. And, and, it's that, and it is that meditation of our heart that we're constantly uh, aware. I love what Bill Johnson says where it's like, you know, it's the dove on a shoulder. And if you have like a physical dove on your shoulder, which is representative of the Holy Spirit, and, and if you actually had a dove on your shoulder... Uh, and you were walking around, you're going to be much more aware of this dove um, because you don't, you don't want to, like, move too quickly. Or, and you're still doing things, right? You're still, if you had the dove on your shoulder, you're still accomplishing things, doing things, but you're moving with a different kind of motion because there's an awareness of the dove, right? You're not going to, like, just go, because <laughs> you're going to knock the dove off. No, you're going to be a little more cautious in the way you move. And, and I feel like that's the, we're, we're constantly aware of what the Holy Spirit's leading us and, and speaking to us and how he's leading us. And it's, it's what I was praying earlier. I just felt like, like when you're at the gas station or, or at the grocery store, like you're aware, we're aware of him constantly. Never lose awareness of Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And I just, <laughs> to reiterate, if he's the way, and he's the only way, then why would we ever take our eyes off of him? Why would we ever lose our awareness of him? Um, and that's where we do. We get, we, we get off track. We get sidetracked. We get sidelined. <laughs> we get a flat tire because we we're not looking and we hit the curb. And, uh, but if our eyes are on him, we're going to stay in the lane. We're going to stay where we're supposed to be. So, and, that's the, and that's where there's that protection. He's not only our redeemer, and our Lord, our, our, our Yahweh, it says he's Yahweh, the rock, and the redeemer. But, but he is in that rock. He is our refuge. He is a strong tower. He is our protection. And, uh, and so my heart for all of us is that, man, as we stay with eyes on him, attuned to him, aware of him, um, we won't get off track. I promise you, you won't get off track. It doesn't mean you won't be persecuted, but you won't get off track. And he, it says he will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. You will have his strength in every situation. And he'll never put you through a situation that you can't handle. Now, I say that. In, in our mind, we go, well, then, then I'll live through it. Not necessarily. Um, <laughs> anyway, we talked about that last week. I'm not going to go into it again in detail. But, but I would just say um, his ways are not our ways. And, and the, we don't know... 
Uh, our days are numbered. We don't know the last day that we're going to be on this earth. Uh, but again, you look at all the disciples, and every one of them uh, was martyred for Jesus, except for John. We don't know what happened to John. Um, but he was still pretty much martyred. I mean, he, I think he was probably more martyred than some of the ones that were martyred. I think I'd rather just be like shot right away than go through everything that John had to go through. I'm like, just take me out, Lord. <laughs> uh, I'm not about surviving. I just, I want to be with you. Uh, so I just, I just want to, again, set that foundation that, that we, are, we are pressing into him. We're meditating on him daily. Uh, our, our eyes are on him constantly. Um, there's a, a quote from Dwight uh, D.L. Moody, Dwight L. Moody, and he says, says this, either my Bible will keep me from sin or my sin will keep me from the Bible. When we're in the Word, when we're hearing His voice, when we're pressing in, it's going to keep us out of those situations. But if we're in sin, it will keep us from hearing His voice, Right? Amen, kind of. <laughs> okay, so this is what I want to press into. I, the, uh, I'm going to just take us through uh, John 15, a little bit of John 15 here, and then I'll, I'll jump around and we'll move quickly. Um, so if you have your Bibles, go to John 15. And as I was Looking at this, this so good fruit, um, the, the Lord, Lord actually calls us to produce, produce fruit. And, and I'm, I'm going to kind of almost take it backwards here. I'm going to take it from the end um, of that section. So it's John 15, 1 through 17. Uh, but in, in uh, verse 16, he says this, You did not choose me, but I chose you, and I've appointed you, to go and to bear fruit. And then he clarifies it, fruit that will last. And then he says, then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. And then he ends it with this, this is my command. We're created for is we're created actually for oneness with Jesus. Uh, and it's the only place where we can bear fruit. It's the only way that we can bear fruit. And and I think a lot of people ask, well, what, what is this fruit? Um, and I'll talk to you a little bit more, but I, I want to say it is not the fruit of the Spirit that you are bearing, uh, although it is the fruit of the Spirit that gives you everything that you need to actually bear the fruit that you're to bear. Um, and sometimes that can be real confusing. I think sometimes people say, well, I'm bearing good fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. That's great. That's the sustenance of the abiding that gives you the Holy Spirit's uh, fruit to actually, which I would call that more nu nutrients, that as that grows in you, as that builds in you, as his love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control comes in and through you, that you now will produce the good fruit that you're actually created to produce, the good works that he has for you, which is ultimately its lives. And, and it's not converts. It's not just going, well, I, you know, I just led a hundred people to the Lord and, and I'm good. Um, 
That's why he says fruit that will last. Because how many people have we led to the Lord that said yes to Jesus and then the next week they're back doing the exact same thing they were doing and they're, they don't know who Jesus is. Uh, fruit that will last is to say, I'm going to walk alongside you. Look at me as I look at Christ. Follow me. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Which puts us in a, this whole other place of, you better get your eyes on Jesus because not, it's not just for you. Now you've got people following you. And so if your eyes aren't on Jesus, if you're off, they're going to be off. If you close your eyes on the highway and they're following you, they're going to go into the ditch with you. Don't put them in the ditch. So it's not just for you. It's for those around you that actually need you to be looking at Jesus so that they can follow you. And then eventually, it's kind of like that John 4. Um, first off, it was, it was the woman at the well who, who told them all about Jesus, and they said that they came because of what she said. But then there was the second part where, where they said, we no longer believe that Jesus is the Son of God because of what you said. We now know for ourselves. And, and I feel like it's the same thing. When, it's, when, you, when you lead someone to the Lord, when, you, when they say yes to Jesus, they often have no idea what they're getting into. And they need you to be the one that looks like Jesus to help lead them and to get them out of the, the junk that they're in. I was going to say another word. I didn't. I caught myself. That the junk that they're in. Uh, but your whole goal is not to say, well, keep looking at me, keep looking at me. Your whole goal is to get them to look to Jesus. And it's the same thing I would say with every pastor. If you're looking at me and you're looking to, for me to be your answer, to provide you with everything you need, we got this thing messed up. Because I'm here to point you to Jesus so that, like, he's, he's the one you're going to. We just get to gather together. I'm looking forward to the times where, man, it's just a, it's going to be just a, just a time to come together. We're going to tell, everybody's going to have testimonies of, of what happened this week and what the Lord's been doing, and, and we're just going to to celebrate. I don't need to preach. Uh, I don't know that I need to preach now. I think, I mean, you guys are going after the Lord. I, I just want to encourage you. I feel like we have a strong church that is pressing into God. And I, I mean, I, yesterday at the food bank, I'm just seeing like people praying and contending and, and serving so well. And, we're, uh, and people, by the way, yesterday giving their lives to Jesus and, and people experiencing the healing power of God. And uh, I mean, that's just on a Saturday, but it happens all the time. So yeah, God gets all the glory. He, I mean, it is so good, but it is, I'm so encouraged. I just want to say that. I'm so encouraged by uh, people that are, you guys are pressing into the Lord. <laughs> I say it. I mean, we're going on three hours here. And you guys are still here. Good job. <laughs> now, can you lock the doors? <laughs> um, okay, let me get back on track here. Uh, so, so here it is, remain in me and I'll remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So Jesus makes it so clear that we have to remain in him. Uh, yeah, I'll just, I'll come back to that. Um, then right after that in John 15, 7 and 8, it says this, now if you remain in me 
or if you abide in me, uh, and my words remain in you, and my words abide in you. So this comes, let me just stop there. This goes back to that Psalm 19:14, where it says, may the words of my heart and the meditation of my, or the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you. This is the place I want us to just to catch this, the importance of even the words that we speak and, how, and what we meditate on is so critically important to how we're abiding and remaining with Jesus. Uh, and so then you go back to the beginning part, and this is where you see, like, he says, my father, he goes, I'm the true vine. My father is the vine dresser or the gardener, depending on your translation. He cuts off every branch in, in me that bears no fruit. So, this is what a, a, a vine dresser does. This is what the father does, is there are branches that are bearing fruit, and there are those that are not. And, and I, we talked about this earlier in the back room, because there's, uh, there's some teachings that say, well, the, the ones that don't bear fruit, there's, there's, there's another way to look at it. Um, if you take the Greek word, you can say, well, it also means to lift up. And, and let me say, I, I believe in this scripture, that is not what it's, what it's speaking of. It's not saying it's lift up and kind of put back in the vine. No, the ones that are not producing fruit, they actually get cut. And, and out of 33 translations that I went through, one of them had spoke the way of where it's just lifting up. 32 of the translations actually said he cuts them off. And, and then I'll show you what he actually reiterates it just a few verses down, that not only does he cut them off, and it says he, in, the, in the second uh, in a few verses later, it says he does lift them up to throw them into the fire. Uh, so there is, there's a strong statement that Jesus is making here where he's saying, look, I need you to bear fruit. And in order to bear fruit, I need you to abide in me. I need you to walk so closely with me. Outside of Jesus, we have no life. And that's where I, I believe it's not... Like the father doesn't look around and go, well, you're not bearing fruit, tunk, 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 and, and you guys are all out. <laughs> I believe that there is such a grace that he has, and, he's, uh, and there's an opportunity. He's, he's, he's slow to anger. He's of great mercy. He loves us with, a, with an overwhelming love. It's, a, it's an endless love that he has for us. But there is, there is a time where he says, nope, I've, you're... This, this branch is not producing fruit. And, and often, in another place, it talks about a good tree and a bad tree, and the bad tree is actually the diseased tree. And if you, if you, if you talk to a vine dresser, when there's, when there's any type of, when it's a bad vine or a diseased vine, they immediately cut it off because the problem is, is it not only affects the fruit of that, of that branch, but it can affect the entire vine. It can contaminate the entire vine. And so, so he's very clear about this. He says, I'm the vine, the true vine. My father is the vine dresser, and he cuts off the branches that bear no fruit. And then he says, but well, but every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. And, and I've heard it said that it's like you're producing good fruit, and then the Lord comes in and will, he'll cut that. I don't. I don't think that's what it means. I, I don't believe that. I mean, and I spent, spent a lot of time this week just studying this and just and putting it in context with the, the entire word. 
it, it, he doesn't, he's not cutting the areas that are producing fruit. But when you look at the word, that word prune actually means to, to wash and to purify, to cleanse. Um, actually, I wrote it down here. It says, to make clean by purging or to remove the undesirable elements. That's, that's what the word pruning means. Uh, so when you take it in that context, what, what he's doing is it's like, it's, it's go back to that analogy of the heart, and if, if our heart is the garden, and he's placing his seeds in there, and he's looking for his, like for fruit, he's looking for these things to grow in our lives, what he's also seeing is he's seeing the, the weeds that are still in there. And there are weeds in our garden. And so the pruning is actually removing those areas in our heart that are still it, it, the contaminated areas so that there is a clean, so that it's clean so that we can produce more fruit. Does that make sense? And so sometimes people are like, you know, they've got a ministry or something and, and something happens to it and, the, and they're like, well, the Lord just pruned it. It was producing fruit. I, <laughs> I'll say this in a nice way, but... I would say uh, it may have been producing fruit in your mind, but maybe it wasn't something that was producing lasting fruit in, from the way God saw it. And, and so when it does get pruned, it's something that, that we just hold it loosely and we say, oh God, prune the things that need to be pruned just because it looks like it's producing fruit. A lot of times when we're getting the glory in it, when it's, it's something that, that becomes our identity and it's not his, um, He'll remove those things from us so that we can actually produce good fruit that is lasting. Uh, and so it's that place of tenderness, and, and we don't have it all figured out. Uh, I, when, when the Lord prunes something, I don't necessarily understand why he pruned it, but I know he's good. I know he's faithful, and, and, and all I'm doing is I'm, I'm just setting my heart in him. I'm like, do what you need to do. And, and I sur my life is surrendered to him anyway. It's only when I try to take back my life that, that I get myself in trouble. When I try to take back things on my own and say, well, this one I'm going to do on my own. We cannot hold on to anything in this life. It's all for his glory and it's all for him. When we have that mindset and that position, then I, I believe we're going to see such great fruit produced because we're not, we're not in it for ourselves. So much, just say this, so, I think so much of the church still gets their identity in the fruit they produce. Isn't that sad? Wow, such good fruit. Did you see that? <laughs> you can't produce anything. You're a branch. It's all Jesus that's producing the fruit, and it's only when you're abiding in him. And so we got to get over ourselves and about like, and yes, there can be some great fruit that comes in and through your life, don't ever take the glory for it. Give him the glory. And it's, and it's not that we're like, well, you know, that's all the Lord. I mean, yes, he's using us in a powerful way. That's his desire is he, he works through his children. But be careful not to get prideful. Uh, it is the downfall. Pride comes before a fall. Uh, and that's, that's where he prunes. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's where he cuts, cuts those, those areas, areas out. And we're like, that really hurt. But I needed it because it actually now set things in place where, where more fruit can be produced in my life. Um, so the, and I, I'm going to say this, it's the, the, 
the, the translation that's off in this, I'll just say, is the Passion Translation. Um, it, it misses it here, and it misquotes it. Uh, I love the Passion Translation, uh, but there are times and there are places where I've seen it, uh, multiple places, uh, where it, it has a, it, there's a different lens and, and there are things that are off. Um, I've had to kind of X some things out and be like, no, that, that doesn't align with Scripture. Uh, they took too much liberty there. And so always beware in any translation. I would say, I mean, I was talking to somebody earlier today, and I'm like, every translation is, I've seen it off at times. Like the King James, sorry, John. <laughs> the, but every translation has missed it in places as you go back and study it. You know, in my mind, I mean, as, again, I'm looking at it, but as I study it, I'm like, that doesn't look right. And as I compare it to other scriptures, I'm like, yeah, that's not right. But it's, it's just one place. And so when you study the scriptures, it is good to look at different translations, look at the Greek, look at the Hebrew. Um, by, I, just, I use Bible Hub, by the way, and it's a great, easy, quick way to where I can look up a, uh, I can grab a scripture and then even just like I can put my cursor over different words and it'll show me uh, like the translation of those words in the Hebrew and in the Greek. Um, there's a, we have, it is amazing what we have at our fingertips right now when it comes to studying the scriptures. We were looking back like um, when Wycliffe was alive and uh, he, he, <laughs> he kind of came against the Catholic Church, not kind of, he came against the Catholic Church. It was a time when, when there were no translations of the Bible other than Latin and, uh, and like in Hebrew. And, uh, and it's, no one had any literacy of the Bible. And so when the priests would get up, they could basically state whatever they wanted to. And all of a sudden, it was like, this has to change. And they, that's where they begin to translate the Bible into, lang into uh, you know, for us commoners to, to be able to read. And all of a sudden, we begin to read the Word of God, and it's like, oh, we see things that, wait, I heard it preached this way, and that's not the truth. Uh, so we need to be always like the Bereans. We need to, to take what we hear and then Connect it to the Word of God and, and make sure that it's truth. Just because I'm up here doesn't make me, like, I, I don't necessarily have it all figured out. I pray and <laughs> that the words of my mouth would be pleasing to the Lord. Uh, but my heart also is, don't just take what I say as truth. Back it up with Scripture. Take it and study it for yourself. Okay? That's my, like... That's my, okay, you signed the waiver, so now we're good. <laughs> uh, but I do want to read, so in the Passion, because I do love the Passion. I think there's some amazing parts to it. Um, and I want you to hear verses 4 and 5, because I, I love the way it says it here. Uh, and this is about um, just talking about the, the, this unity, this oneness, this, um, uh, this abiding in the vine. And it says this in verse 4 and 5. It says, so... You must remain in life union with me. For I remain in life union with you. For as a branch severed from the vine will not bear fruit, so your life will be fruitless unless you live your life intimately joined to mine. I am the sprouting vine, you're my branches. As you live in union with me as your source, Fruitfulness will stream from within you. But when you live separated from me, you are powerless. 
I really don't even need to say anything to that. I think it speaks for itself. Um, so why would we ever not want to live in that place of abiding in Him? It, it, it's, it's the only way that we can live. There's, there's just, there's no other way. Um, to, this play, to this idea of, of pruning, and as the Lord like, cleanses us, uh, we were laughing about this um, in sermon prep, we were talking through, and Marcus, he was saying uh, a couple weeks ago, he was at uh, Home Depot or Lowe's, and, and uh, he's like, man, I need, to, I need to take care of my weeds um, that are in the backyard. And so he just went over, and he's like, ah, I don't think I have too many weeds. And uh, he went and grabbed one of those, you know, just spray bottles, like that, about this big, and where you just kind of spray it on the weeds. And he said he got home, and he started to, to spray the weeds, and uh, he realized there were a lot more weeds than what he had originally thought. And, and as he started spraying, he, you know, started cramping up his hand. And finally, he went back to Lowe's and bought the electric one, that, you know, the big, like, multi-gallon one that you just hold it, goes, bah, 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 and just sprays it. <laughs> uh, but we were laughing about it in the sense of, like, Sometimes in our own mind, and he's, he's thinking, he's looking, he's, you know, he's at Home Depot and he's like, yeah, I don't really have any weeds. It's just a couple weeds. I'll just spray them. But as he got back to his house and started and to kind of look at the weeds and, and look at what he had, all of a sudden there's this revelation, wow, there is, there is a lot more in there than I thought. And I believe that's the same for us. It's like sometimes when we're going through life, we don't really realize all the things, all the weeds that are in our life until we start to deal with them. And still we start to take care of them and then we get a hand cramp because we realize, man, I need something a little more powerful than this little weed sprayer. <laughs> we, need to get the, we need to get the next level up so that I can actually take care of the weeds. Uh, if we don't take care of the weeds, this is what I talked about last week, if we don't take care of the weeds, the problem is, is the weeds will actually overtake the good seed. It, you see it in a, in a, in a garden. Um, if, if we think we can just focus on the seeds and say, well, Lord, I just want these seeds that are placed in my garden to grow, and we just let all the weeds grow as well. It, it says this specifically in Matthew 13. It talks about it, the sower and the seed. It, the, the problem is, is those, those weeds will choke out the fruitfulness of life. And if we're to bear fruit, and the weeds are choking out the fruitfulness of life, what do we need to do? Not a trick question. Get rid of the weeds, right? Okay. Um, I know this is kind of like a, a basic message, kind of, but I just feel like it's so important for us to get from here down to here, uh, that if we can truly learn how to abide in Him constantly, allow him to prune or cleanse or take care of those weeds in our life, it's going to make our lives fruitful and more fruitful and fruit that will last. And that's what we're called to do. But I, I want to say this too. Um, I'm just kind of jumping around in my notes, but I feel there is a, there's a pressing in that, that we need to have. Uh, like a, it's called that, that perseverance or that enduring faith, um, sometimes the mindset that we have is, an, is that we've said yes to Jesus. Again, it was like what I was talking about earlier. We're kind of on that. 
He puts us on the life raft. We're good to go. Um, we've got his grace, and we just kind of float through life. And then when he comes or when we die, we get to go be with him. And that was awesome. And that is just, that is not the reality of, of, of what he's called us to. In producing this good fruit, it's, it's part of this, it's a battle. Um, and we were, I was looking, we were talking about Michael Phelps. You guys know who Michael Phelps is? Um, I think he won more golds than, than anyone has ever won. Uh, I believe it was 23 golds that, that he, he won. And, uh, and something that he speaks to, not that he's, I don't think he's necessarily a godly man, but he was quite the athlete, and, uh, or is quite the athlete. Um, but it was, it was the little decisions that were made every single day. Um, he didn't just go, man, I'm going to win 23 golds. Uh, what he did is, is every day, it was, the, it was the process of saying yes to this, yes to this, and no to that, no to that. Um, and, and the result was that he, he got 23 golds. He had a number of silvers and bronze medals as well. Um, but in, the, in that same way, I think sometimes it's like we don't just go, well, I just want the fruit. No, it's the, it's the day-to-day steps that we don't, we don't have to focus on the fruit at all. What we're focusing on is the seed. We're focusing on what's growing in our life. We're focusing on Jesus. And, and actually, it's in the abiding that, that fruit will be produced in our life. It is, the, it is the outcome of the abiding in him. If you're truly abiding in him and he's abiding in you and you're walking in his ways and you're hearing his voice and you're doing what he's called you to do day in and day out, I promise you the fruit will come. You don't, you don't have to worry about the fruit. But let me say this too. There's, because that's the, I want to say that is good, the good fruit is what we're looking at. There's always, you will produce fruit. The question is, is are you going to produce good fruit or bad fruit? In your life, you will produce fruit. Um, let me take you to this. There's a, Jesus talks about the, the tree. There's a good tree. Actually, go to Matthew 12, and then we'll wrap up here in a second. Um, says this in Matthew 12, 33. It says, make a, a tree good and its fruit will be good. Make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. That other word for bad is diseased. Uh, it says, for a tree is recognized by its fruit. And then he goes into uh, some kind words for the people he's talking to. Says you brood of vipers, <laughs> how can how can you who are evil say anything good? For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, and this is why the meditation of our heart is so critically important. Uh, it says the good man brings good things out of the good that is stored up in him, and the evil man brings evil out of the out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that men will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word that they have spoken. It says, for by your words you will be acquitted and by your words you will be condemned. 
the, the, the focus is not on the words, though. The focus is on the heart. And this is where if we were focusing on the tree or in the other analogy that, that we're focusing on the, uh, the, like as the branch that we are abiding in the vine. When our life is in Jesus, when our tree is good, when our heart is in the right position, when there's a cleansing of our heart, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And often, you know, we can try to play whack-a-mole where we're trying to like, you know, when bad fruit's popping up, we're like, oh, I got to get that fruit down and I don't want to do that. I don't want to do those things. And, and that will continue for the rest of your life because the problem isn't the fruit. The problem is the tree. The problem is what are you rooted and grounded in? What are you abiding in? Does this make sense? Okay. If we can set our hearts in him constantly, the fruit will be good. What comes out of our mouth will be good. We don't have to, we don't have to like try to protect what we're saying because it's out of the overflow of the heart. What we need to protect is our heart. He says, guard your heart. It's the wellspring of life. Set that position of your heart that, Lord, I want you to have access to my heart, you alone. Set my heart apart unto you. Rend my heart. <laughs> Do the surgery in my heart. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness so that out of that, the actions, the words, the things that I do are of you. They're in alignment with you. Amen. Amen, amen. Um, Jesus says, actually, um, go back to, to, to Matthew 3. This is John the Baptist. He says these words. Um, he's talking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And he's, he says, you brood of vipers. He says it again right there. Um, says, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Uh, that's, that's verse 8. And then I'm going to just jump down. Verse 10, he says this. The axe is already at the root of the trees. And every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Uh, just reiterating what Jesus says later. But this is... He's, he's warning the Pharisees and the Sadducees right there because the position of their heart, they're in the wrong position. They have the wrong understanding. They're not, they're not setting their hearts on Jesus. They're setting their hearts on the law, on the things of the law, uh, and it's producing bad fruit. And he says, look, the ax is already at the foot of the tree. Beware and change your ways. A bad tree doesn't have to remain a bad tree. When it gets rooted and grounded in Christ, that's, that's, I mean, this is where we have the blood of Jesus. It cleanses us from all unrighteousness. It purifies us. It sets us in a place where now uh, that tree becomes clean, but it's a process now. And then the fruit obviously comes out of that, and it's good fruit. Amen. I know, this is kind of like a, kind of a heavier one. Um, all right, Lord. I think that's it. I could talk more. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Let me just conclude with this. Let me just say this. Um, 
some of the things, I just wrote this down. So there's The things that are going to keep us from, from the fruitfulness, number one is this lack of intimacy with Jesus. Uh, if there's a lack of intimacy with him, your life will be fruitless. Uh, but there are some other things I just, as I was praying through this, I felt like just to, that we point out that laziness is also something, laziness in the kingdom is Jesus actually calls wickedness. And, um, and I believe I'll, sometimes in the church, there can be like a spirit of laziness where, where it's, there's not a focus on actually doing the things that the Lord's called us to do. We can get, we kind of get lackadaisical about things. And, and what's happened is it's like you've taken your eyes off the prize. I mean, Paul so often, he's like, get your eyes on the prize on the prize fight the good fight at the end of his life he's like look i fought the good fight i've run the race i've 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 stayed on course and it's not an easy course um but i think sometimes in the church it's like well i've said yes to jesus and now i'm just going to go about my way that laziness can actually affect our ability to produce fruit uh i, I right along with that i feel like contentment like when you're content when you're comfortable with where you are, uh, when there's not a pressing in for more of him, uh, that we're like, well, I'm, I'm doing great. Everything's good. I'm happy with the way my life is. That's actually, that's actually problematic. <laughs> we want to have our eyes on him, and we want to continually be transformed in his likeness with an ever-increasing glory. We want to we set our hearts on him to where we don't conform to the pattern of this world. I, I can say that if, you've, if you get to a stagnant place, you will actually get kind of sucked back into the things of this world. Don't allow yourself to get sucked back in. This is where we're constantly pressing in for more of him. Lord, change my heart. Make me more like you. Constantly. So don't come into that. Don't get to that place where you're comfortable with where you are, where you're satisfied with where you are. There should be a hunger and a thirst for more of him. In, John, or in Matthew 5, he says, those that hunger and thirst for righteousness, they're the ones that will be filled. We never get, but we never actually get filled. We continue in with that, that hunger and thirst for more of him. Uh, that's the beauty of it. I think, you know, with, with life in general, with, with food, you know, you eat and you're full. You're like, okay, I'm good. With Jesus, it's like the more you taste, taste and see that he's good, the more hungry you become, the more thirsty you are for more of him, the more that he flows in and through you and, you, and the more that you become like him. And it's beautiful. Uh, fear is another one. And fear of man. Uh, when, when, there's, when we allow the fear of man to come in, it will shut down the fruitfulness in our life. Because we've, we've actually taken the fear of man over the fear of God. In, in uh, Isaiah 11, it talks about that. It says that Jesus, he delights in the fear of the Lord. And in the same way that we would delight in the fear of God. But you cannot delight in the fear of God and be fearful of man. And try to please man. You can't please man and please God. You can't please mammon and, and, and please the Lord. You can't serve, serve man and serve the Lord. It's going to be one or the other. And so that, when we, when we allow our hearts to be turned towards man 
and that, that we're trying to please them, we're actually taking our heart off the Lord. We're taking ourselves out of that place of abiding in him. So that fear, watch out for the fear. Uh, the good part about that is it says in, in 1 John, it says that it's his love, his perfect love that removes all fear. When we're, when we're abiding in him and we understand his love, it actually, it contends against that fear that can come into our lives. Amen? I think that's it. Okay, would you guys stand up? <laughs> this was more of like a, like a teaching message, but um, yeah. So Lord, I just thank you that you are teaching us how to abide in you, how to have our eyes set upon you at all times. Lord, I pray that our lives would be fruitful. Lord, that as you have appointed us and you've anointed us for this fruit, Lord, that now you call us into this place of abiding in you. And out of that place, Lord, I, do, I thank you that it's this in-step move with the Spirit that we learn to, to dance with the Holy Spirit. And it's in that place where we do have your love, Lord. It's your, your joy that comes out. It's your peace. It's your patience, your kindness, your goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. We need all of that to produce the good fruit. But that's the thing that actually that, that is the sustenance for the good fruit that comes forth. So, but I thank you for what you're doing in and through our lives right now. I just want to pray this Jude as we close here. It says this, But you, dear friends, build yourself up in the most holy faith. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Be merciful to those who doubt. Snatch others from the fire and save them. And to others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. So Lord, I thank you that this is the, this is the command that you call us to. It's a call to persevere in this time, that we would build ourselves up in this most holy faith. Lord, that we would constantly be in a place of prayer. And Lord, I thank you, it says this, to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, be glory and majesty and power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord, before all ages, now, and forevermore. So Lord, I thank you that it is all about you. Our eyes are on you. Lord, may you be glorified in our lives daily, morning, noon, and night. And that as we close our eyes at the end of the day, Lord, I thank you for a great joy. I thank you for a joy that comes upon us because we just got to abide in you and we got to see you move in and through us in a powerful way. Lord, may that joy be the very thing that strengthen us, strengthens us every day as we wake up. 
that we would never give up. We would never <laughs> relent. We would never hold back. But Lord, that, that we would and never grow weary in, in doing good. May we continue to sow in the Spirit that we would reap a harvest of righteousness. I pray a blessing, Lord, over just every person here, everyone who's watching online. Lord, strengthen us in these days that we're in, in this unique time that we're in. This, we are in the last days. Lord, may our eyes be on you, <laughs> that we wouldn't set, take our eyes off you for that five seconds that takes us 500 feet the wrong direction. But Lord, that we would constantly set our eyes on you. Do a work in our heart. Remove those weeds and strengthen us for the days ahead. In Jesus' name, amen.